You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Solar A Energy, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, and Wattwatches, providing super smart devices to monitor and manage energy use. Hello and welcome to another special episode of Energy Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson, I'm the editor of Renew Economy and I'm calling this a holiday special because um, I'm going to be on holidays and all our listeners are very special. Um, The difference today is I'm not on the most eastern point of Australia, I'm pretty much on the most western point of Australia. In fact, I'm actually off the mainland on Rottnest Island and I'll explain why shortly. Uh, But David Leach, my normal co-conspirator, is not with us today. He flew back on the plane after a week uh, or a few days at the Energy and Mines conference in um, Perth. And at that conference, I got an invitation from the Australian Institute of Energy to come out on a site visit to the hybrid wind and solar farm on Rottnest Island, which is an off-grid location. And joining me is Louis Kent from the uh, Perth branch of the Australian Institute of Energy. Um... Louis, thanks for joining Energy Insiders. Giles, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for having me on this um, on this trip. It, look, it's been fantastic. It's a beautiful day out here in Rottnest Island. I remember from growing, well, not growing up here, but doing my um, newspaper cadetship on the West Australian many, many decades ago. Favourite holiday spot, and it still continues to be a favourite holiday spot. Do you do you come out here often? I would definitely like to come here more often. I get o- get over when I get the chance, but it hasn't been as frequent lately as it used to be. Look, it's a remarkable thing because it is an off-grid location and just so close to Perth, we can see that in the distance. It's also well known because it it is the host of the wind turbine, the Rottnest wind turbine, which became famous because when Tony Abbott decided he'd try and destroy way back when the renewable energy target, I think we go back to 2014, he said he doesn't like wind energy, along with uh, the treasurer, Joe Hockey, I should point out, didn't like wind energy at all. Joe Hockey blamed all the turbines he saw next to Lake George driving down to Canberra. Tony Abbott seemed to have had it in for the single, quite small turbine, 600 kilowatt turbine here in Rottnest Island, the Rottnest wind turbine. He drove past it on a bicycle once and said, didn't like the look of it. Yeah, apparently it was ugly. Um, I understand beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but um, personally I think they're very graceful looking machines, uh, so I guess that's a, a point of difference we have. Yes, well, look, not only is this Rottnest wind turbine sort of famous for almost bringing the renewable or sparking the reaction to bring the renewable energy target to a halt, um, it's also, I think, the only wind turbine in Australia and possibly the world that actually has a a Twitter account in its name. Yeah, I don't know of any others myself, but um, this, uh, this particular turbine is very active on social media and it's entertained me on more than one occasion. I've got to say, it's, it's got a pretty sharp take on some of the major um, energy and policy events around the place, so somebody, whoever's behind it, must be pretty well informed. Yeah, they seem to be clued in and also seem to have a lot of um, availability to be there at the moment because I, I often log on and see that the, the reaction is virtually instant, so they're, they've got their finger on the pulse. I guess it's um, 50 times a second, perhaps. <laughs> I'm not too sure if it's that much, but um, anyway. But look, seriously, um, so the Rodness Witten Turbine, it's actually been here since about 2004. It's actually, I think, the second generation turbine on uh, Rottnest Island. I think they had three smaller ones way back way back when. But now it forms part of a, um, a hybrid system. So a couple of years ago, uh, the government and through the government, the Rottnest Island Authority um, got together with Arena and Hydro Tasmania and basically tried to replicate, I think, what they had on King Island and put it here in Rottnest Island. So they added some solar 
and they added some resistors and have actually produced a reasonable outcome here. Um, about 40-45% renewables, which they think they can probably increase to 65%, possibly when the dear rip-rot nest wind turbine comes to the end of its life in about 5 or 10 years' time and needs to be replaced and will probably be upgraded. But um, what's the significance of this off-grid system, do you think? Uh, well, the, the reason that um, we organised this site visit today is because it's it really is a, a high-penetration and islanded, pardon the pun, uh, power system. And normally to see a, a high penetration renewable um, power system that integrates multiple types of generation, you really need to get well out of the metro area. And we're fortunate enough here that it's a, a 25 minute boat ride off the coast and um, you get to see uh, wind, solar, uh, the, the diesel component having resistors there. And it's also importantly integrated in with their desal system. So when they've got uh, significant amounts of renewables being generated, rather than having a battery here, which they did flag might be something that is incorporated down the track, at the moment, rather than putting the surplus renewable energy into a battery, they're using that to do desal and you store the water and, and dispatchable load is just as good as storage if you can use it in the right way. So storing water is a lot easier than storing electrons. So it's a really good way to start getting that higher penetration happening. Yeah, and we sort of saw from some of the graphs that they produced today that um, at some stages, um, early in the piece, the amount of spill into the resistor was quite significant, but that's coming down now, as you say, because they're using the desal more, and they've also got added load, they've got a new Echo Village opening here, and, um, and gradually um, gradually rising, although it's not a huge amount of load, but um, it's quite significant, these hybrid systems, because this one's obviously done, the trick really just comes in actually sizing them properly, because you don't kind of want to overspend at least initially until you know what you're doing you've got all the configurations right but as you say they are going to add and expand this and they'll probably put more controls in they probably might put more load in they might put um, a battery in and they'll probably double the size of the system so we've got 600 kilowatts of wind now and I think 600 kilowatts of solar and they'll probably look to double that um, as they use try to use more renewables for the desal and possibly even have either electric vehicles or even hydrogen vehicles. I was actually eavesdropping on the bus and I heard you asking about electric vehicle use here because um, people that have been to Rotnest know that if you want to get around it's either by uh, foot or bicycle is the predominant mode of transport here or they have buses going around the island but there's also service vehicles like delivery trucks and rubbish trucks and things like that and uh, that really opens up some interesting opportunities because all of the liquid fuels that they use on the island have to be brought over by barge and it's not a cheap way to get gigajoules so if they have an opportunity to start integrating their power system with dispatchable load in the form of um, charging vehicles when there's um, surplus generation available that could start to um, do some really interesting things with balancing this system and seeing it's really sort of a, a petri dish for what um, a, a fully renewable society could look like once they start to integrate the, the EVs into higher penetration renewables as well. And it's interesting, so we've seen a few of these off-grid plants and they are pretty new, getting all the systems together and getting the controls and making sure they operate properly. So we've seen King Island and we've seen uh, Kubapiti. We've got a report this week at the Energy and Mines Conference at Kuba, about Kubapiti, um, doing 70% average renewables, um, more than half the time actually operating at 100% renewables, um, 81 hours at the suite. The interesting thing is a lot of these initial 
pilot or demonstration plants have been horrendously, well, they seem to be horrendously expensive, but now that these have been done, the follow-ons will actually be a lot cheaper and won't require anywhere near as much support from the government. In fact, after the next couple demonstration projects and mines that we're going to see at like the Agnew project, um, which is a gold mine, which is going to have 18 megawatts of wind and a smaller and just four megawatts of solar once they've done that as a pilot project then the rest of it probably won't need much subsidy at all and it was fascinating to be at the energy and mines conference in in um in perth um this week and just hearing the enthusiasm with which the mining industry was embracing the whole idea of going renewables yeah absolutely and uh on that topic of things becoming cheaper i heard one of the uh one of the presenters on one of the panels talking about the the benefit of really commoditizing this approach it is there's there's been a huge amount of progress over the past two years and it's great to see that progress but it also tells us that the industry is still in a rapid learning phase once it becomes more established and more business as usual and rather than having huge amounts of engineering being done to design all of these bespoke systems if it's more of a cookie cutter approach i think you'll get rapid reductions in cost from from that efficiency it's just extraordinary to hear the miners actually just sort of talking about you know saying that 50 percent renewables would be the norm and that they're actually looking to go you know almost as much as 100 percent i guess getting to 100 percent probably depends on the arrival of hydrogen and electrolyzers as a cost competitive piece of uh, kit and technology but certainly we heard from people like uh, element 25 um, talking about a manganese metal processing facility up in a big mine to be produced in the Pilbara, talking about going as much as 90% renewables. It's, um, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah, and it actually ties back in nicely to what we were discussing before about the uh, desalination being a dispatchable load. They were talking about having um, uh, intermittent electrolysis on demand um, and it was uh, electro winning on demand sorry and they they design a system that can respond once again like the desal here they have their process designed to be oversized for most of the time so they can ramp it up when there's a lot of renewables being generated and that other times rather than burning uh, expensive fuels to maintain production levels they just allow the production levels to drop down a bit and then when the the sun sh starts shining again and the wind's blowing then they can ramp up that production and that's that's a really innovative way of getting high penetration without the expensive uh, or the currently expensive storage you need to maintain consistent generation. And it just highlights the point that demand management is actually quite important and flexibility is the key both in load and in demand and in response. So it kind of does away with this idea about having to have this sort of baseload mentality both for the supply and for the demand of operating the grids. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it, it goes back to, I heard a lot of people discussing systems thinking. It's about the entire system, the entire process, and energy systems don't end at the power point. Energy systems end at the end product that you're actually trying to produce, whether it's light or heating or cooling or actual um, products that you're going to be exporting. It's all part of this energy system, and the, the process side of the equation is a really interesting area to start looking at when you're looking at re imagining how you de uh, design these systems. And it's really interesting talking to people at the conference and um, some of them, many of them are network operators or network owners and sort of system managers. Um, once you can do that in small grids, there's actually no reason why you just can't take that same principle and apply it to a much bigger grid. 
I, I don't know enough to disagree. <laughs> I'd like to say it sounds right to me, um, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, at the end of the day, it's all about balancing supply and demand, and we're using the same sorts of equipment just at different scales. That's one, one uh, interesting element of this, uh, the renewable energy uptake is we were at the solar farm here today, and if you've got five panels on your roof or if you've got a five megawatt farm, it's just um, units repeated over and over again and of course you get economies of scale doing that but it's not fundamentally different uh, equipment if you look at a, a fossil fueled power station if you go camping and you've got a tiny little system that's a very different system to a combined cycle gas turbine or some other grid scale system whereas with renewables it's um, it's far more scalable mm. so tell me a little bit um, about the australian institute of energy and how it came to pass and what it's supposed to do and, and, and why you're having such field trips as this yeah, well, I mean, it's it's been around, I think, longer than I have, so I can't say how it came. Oh, it, it evolved from another industry organisation. Industry organisations have obviously been evolving over time, um, as everything does. Um, but the, the WA industry, sorry, the, the noise in the background is not a clunky old wind turbine. It's a construction site, which is creating more load, which means higher penetration of renewables, so that's good, or, or less use of the resistor. But uh, yeah, so the Australian Institute of Energy, we have a lot of events like this, and it's all about just bringing the, the diverse parts of the industry together in one place where you can share all these ideas and cross-pollinate. Uh, and we have some very robust debates and interesting conversations, and um, why not do it on Rottnest Island? Why not indeed? And it's fascinating because WA is actually a really interesting grid. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's probably the biggest and most isolated grid in the world in the sense that it's substantial. It operates between about two and a half up to about four gigawatts or four and a half gigawatts. Um, and because it's just facing this dramatic and quite sensational switch towards decentralized energy and um, in some ways it's very much the sort of the canary in the coal mine about the transition to renewables yeah there's a lot of um, a lot of discussion both in within the industry but also publicly so there's there's plenty of um, articles where uh, senior people in the industry are talking about the the rapid uptake of renewables in WA and what it's meaning for system stability and what we need to do to ensure that we keep the lights on as um, as the renewables keep on being connected and, and they show no signs of slowing down. So it is definitely an opportunity to be a, um, an example of how to integrate high levels of renewables in an islanded grid where we don't have, where I guess the, the benefit of not having an interconnector is they can't fall over. You just don't have one in the first place. So you need to design a system that is having high penetration, fully islanded. And um, fortunately, we've got some really passionate dedicated intelligent people in um, both in government AEMO and in the broader industry on the the private side as well here and um, they they all know this challenge is coming and they're all working hard to work out what the solutions are. No it's fascinating indeed. Look um, Louis Kent thank you very much for joining Energy Insiders today and thank you very much for the invitation to take Renew Economy out and meet the uh, very famous Rotto wind turbine and um, and to have a look at this um, hybrid system. It was an absolute, absolute pleasure and I think it probably means that the solar farm needs to get a Twitter account as well to even the equation. <laughs> oh, it makes me wonder whether you get twi um, Twitter accounts for uh, dynamic resistors as well, but um, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Look, um, that's it from uh, Rottnest Island. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to our sponsors, Solaray Energy and Watt Watchers. And we'll be back with another episode possibly next week if David Leach has managed to do an interview he's planning to do while I'm away on holiday, if not in a fortnight's time. Goodbye for now.
Energy Insiders was brought to you by SolarRay Energy, leading innovators of smart energy management technology. Experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, they're the smart choice for consumers and business. Visit solarray.com.au and secure your energy future today. Energy Insiders was also brought to you by Wattwatchers, makers of ultra-smart devices to manage electricity use and costs. Accurately monitor and control electrical circuits over the internet in real time. Visit wattwatches.com.au and take control of your energy use.